With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is your girl, Cammy. <laughs> and I want you to know that when I listen to the radio, okay, I listen to Reese on the radio because it is a radio and Reese is on it. Okay. <laughs> between now and November, the American people are going to know that the only reason the border is not secure is Donald Trump and his MAGA Republican friends. Home of Reese on the Radio, WAC FM. All right, ladies, buckle up. Scallywags out there. You know what time it is? It's time for the world's most hated, and there I said it's the most racist. racist. The most racist. Online show in America. It's the Reese on the Radio Rundown with yours truly, Mr. Reese on the Radio. Plenty of news and plenty of views to get into today, folks. I've got a very jam-packed show. Everyone who does listen to this show or even newcomers, let me just let you know, the show is usually about an hour. Uh, But sometimes we have been known to go over time, especially, especially when we have a guest on. We like to keep keep them on for a little while uh, to have a full conversation so we don't have to rush through it. We don't have any guests today. Um, but uh, we do have a little bit of – how do I put this? We got a little investigative sort of stuff we're going to get into today. Um, and I promised yesterday that I would, so I'm going to do it today. And it involves 
none other than Nathan Wade. We'll get into that in a moment, but there's plenty of other stuff to get into. Welcome to the show, Haggis. Welcome, White Mike. White Mike says, watch the, imp- the impeachment proceedings. The only white male Democrat was Fang Fang boyfriend. Are there no white men in a Democrat party? <laughs> Yeah, F the GOP, I'm MAGA, not Republican. Uh, I, you know, I, listen, I watched that proceeding today, the, the vote. Uh, Chad Pergram of uh, Fox News uh, said something interesting uh, in the failure of this vote, that they're going to end up coming back to do this vote again. So it's not over yet. So for all of you people out there celebrating... Knock it off. It ain't over yet. Alejandro Mayorkas is going to be impeached, like it or not. Hello, Carl. Welcome to the show. Um, Okay, so I did some background with the help of our friends at the Daily Caller News Foundation. And they had an interesting report that I ended up going to in order to get the information that I'm about to share with you tonight. But you'll need to be patient because, again, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, So we will get to uh, the Willis and Wade uh, debacle, as it were. But first, I want to mention this. Uh, I don't know when this interview is going to air. Um, Yeah, they should have kept saying to I don't know when this, this interview is going to air, but I am very excited about it. And kudos for Tuck, to Tucker Carlson for doing this interview. And it's not a big get. Don't get me wrong. Several people, from George Stephanopoulos to Megyn Kelly, they've all interviewed Vladimir Putin. They all have. But for some odd reason, this man, Tucker Carlson, interviewing him, is created quite an uproar on the left. They seem to be screaming and hollering, calling him all types of traitor. But there's a reason for that, and you all know. But for you people on the left who don't, let me help you. Because I know that you're probably just following, you know, whatever you're being told on the left. Let me explain to you what the big hubbub is. And that is you've been led astray by your dear leaders in the Democrat Party, that Putin is an evil villain and he wishes to overthrow Europe. And so by not interviewing him and shutting him out and shutting out any talk about him, you don't get Putin to at least defend himself. You get to try him in the court of public opinion and anyone who dares, deign speak to him, you get to call them a traitor. And Tucker Carlson said, F that. I'm going anyway. And he did. Michael A. in the house. So Tucker is going to meet with Vladimir Putin. He's going to have this interview. How extensive will it be? Who knows? What questions will he ask him? I've got a few that I believe Tucker will ask them. One that I know will get to the bottom of or at least will be answered. If it's to be believed, who knows? But I know Tucker will ask about it because Tucker's been like a rabid dog on this. Nord Stream 2. Putin 
will finally get to answer this alleged rumor that he would blow up the underwater pipeline that funnels uh, uh, energy or fuel to Germany. There have been suggestions that Putin is responsible for destroying the only outlet that would feed his people, how they make their money. And Tucker Carlson has been a huge skeptic of that. It makes no sense. In fact, he has displayed evidence from Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Victoria Nuland and even Joe Biden himself who suggested that they would take out Nord Stream. Okay? So he'll ask him about that. We'll get to it. Well, he'll probably ask him, what's the war in Ukraine all about? What's his beef with Zelensky? Why does he want Ukraine back? Is he trying to bring back the former USSR? I'm sure all of those questions will be asked. Will Putin tell the truth? Who knows? But it'll be worth a listen. I'm very intrigued by it. In fact, I don't think I've been more excited for an interview. Unless, of course, somebody can get me Nathan Way. Unless somebody's doing Nathan Way. We'll get there later. But this is going to be interesting. Everyone wants this interview. Everyone wants it. For reasons, you know, of their own, you know, personal effect. But don't hate on them. The war has been going on for two years with no end in sight. With taxpayers fun, fun, being having their taxpayer money funneled into a uh, into a country that we are now learning over and over again is mismanaging it. That we know with it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Time Magazine, Newsweek. We're hearing article after article. CBS News is even talking about it. Nobody knows where the money is. We've got Zelensky's wife in the United States spending over a million dollars shopping. I think some are close to two million dollars shopping on our dime. I think it's important that we talk to Putin about, yo, what the F is going on? Why are we funneling a proxy war? What do you think about that? What's the message you like to send to Americans? I think it's fair for us to ask that. We should know. I mean, in essence, we're in a war. I want to hear from all sides. So I'm very, like I said, I'm extremely, extremely interested in this. Another story I've been interested in over 20 years, the border crisis. Unlike anything we've ever seen in our lifetime, the border is, it's worse than porous, folks, okay? It's a sieve. Joe Biden has turned our border into a funnel. And Congress, or the Senate, has sent out a bill to Congress that will only turn, that will turn it from a funnel into Swiss cheese and then call it a, 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 a Solving the problem, which is nonsense. Let me break this down to you. This is how stupid all of this is. And anybody who's paying attention should know. We've had 8 million people cross the border since 2021. Since Joe Biden has taken over as president of the United States. And the Senate believed that they should pass a bill 
that would allow 5,000 to 8,500 people to pass by every day and call that solving the immigration problem? The only thing that anyone should sign into law is full stop. We already let in 8.5 million. Give me a bill that says, hey, we're going to make sure that those 8.5 million people who just got in here for free, whether or not they've been vetted, whether or not they've got any diseases, whether or not they've got any criminal record, whether or not they're a part of a gang, whether or not they're a part of any drug cartels, and let's find out who every one of those people are. But until we do, until we are down to the 8 millionth person, the border is off limits. Cut down, shut down, shut off the spigot. No more. No more free rides. That's it. The North, too. We don't want any Canadians either. Huh? Stay up there and eat your maple syrup, eh? And with everything that we've had, we've had news media over and over again for years. Covering the southern border, Bill Malusian. Uh, 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 what's the other guy's name that I like? Um, gosh, why am I forgetting his name now? Damn it. Oh, uh, uh, La Jeunesse. There are people down on the southern border. Uh, 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 gosh, his name is coming to me, and it's gonna, I'm going to forget his name, but it's not important. Covering the border for the last three years. Kids at night. Cartel members leaving two-year-olds on the other side of the border while they bolt. Unaccompanied children out the wazoo. Then Border Patrol lost 85,000 of them. 85,000 kids lost. Lost. They have no idea where they are. Cut the border off. And then with all of that, with all the reporting that we heard, nightmare after nightmare, oh, And let's not forget, the Biden administration just recently went to the Supreme Court to force Texas to cut down their razor wire at the Rio Grande at a state park. And Joe Biden says this. Every day between now and November, the American people are going to know that the only reason the border is not secure is Donald Trump and his MAGA Republican friends. Who is going to be the moron who repeats that? Who is going to be online? Which one of the online idiot trolls are going to repeat that? Who's going to do it? Who's going to put their neck out there and repeat that nonsense? Come on, we'll set it up again. Come on, let's hear it. For, For anyone out there who believes this dribble by weekend at Bernie's over here. Every day between now and November, the American people are going to know that the only reason the border is not secure is Donald Trump and his MAGA Republican friends. That's right. That's the only reason why the border is not secure. But not to be outdone, ladies and gentlemen, I got to give it up to the guy. Donald J. Trump wasted no time. His folks wasted no time. Have you seen the new ad? Oh, baby. It's brilliant. And as Donald Trump likes to do, he likes keeping up with current events. Here's the new Donald Trump ad about the border. Six men have been charging that brutal attack caught on camera. A shocking act of violence. Two NYPD officers beaten in Times Square. All 
those arrested were released without bail. Why did these four individuals be released on their own recognizance? The Biden administration is fighting to release as many migrants as quickly as possible. I'll reverse Trump's detrimental asylum policies. There's no need for us. Biden administration reversed Trump's policy on remain in Mexico. Joe Biden to stop construction of the border wall. It's a new day on the southern border. Here we go. The policy that made it easy to kick out migrants is gone. He inherited the lowest rate of illegal immigration and he immediately reinstated cash and release. And so when they apprehend people, they let them go. I'll reverse Trump's detrimental asylum policies. that man on time or what give it up to donald trump baby <laughs> trump accomplishes more out of office than biden does as president it's a great point i guess it's a great point <laughs> what is with this langford senator yeah from oklahoma he's a sellout in my view i kind of agree because, look, this guy is supposed to be like a true Republican. You know, I, I think Dana Bash with, on CNN suggested he's like the most conservative person that she knows, which doesn't say much because Dana Bash doesn't know a lot of Republicans if she thinks that this guy is. Look, this, that, that, this whole thing, even he actually and Mitch McConnell have now decided they no longer support this bill because they know it has nothing to do with Trump. You know damn well that Mitch McConnell doesn't care about supporting something that Trump says. The polling data is awful on this bill. It says that we're not closing the border. We're just taking a limited amount every day to the tune of five to 8,000. That's not stopping things that are happening at the, happening at the border at all. People are thinking about this. They're looking at New York. They're looking at Chicago. They're looking at Denver. They're looking at Los Angeles. They're looking at Florida even. And they're going full stop. Enough. Enough. Minogron agrees with Joe. He told him last week, I've got you covered on that one, Greg. (laughs) I've got you covered on that one. So, yeah, all of this is ridiculous and dumb and dumb. I'll get into Matt Gates later. Um, but speaking of uh, Joe Biden and the um, former French president, <laughs> as Greg just brought up, stealing my thunder, I might add. <laughs> Here's Peter Ducey. The White House press conference today, speaking to Corinne Jean-Pierre about (laughs) the former president of France and President Biden having a conversation with him just a few years ago. How is President Biden ever going to convince the three quarters of voters who are worried about his physical and mental health that he is okay, even though in Las Vegas he told a story about recently talking to a French president who died in 1996? Right, right right, after I was elected, I went to a, what they call a G7 meeting, all the NATO leaders. And it, was in, it was in the south of England. And I sat down and I said, America's back. And Mitterrand from Germany, I mean, from France, looked at me and said, uh, said, you know, 
why, how, how long are you back for? I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole with you, what? sir. What is We're going to go. Hole? Go ahead. He said go he ahead. talked to Mitterrand. Go ahead. You saw Spain. the president in Vegas, in California. You've seen the president in South Carolina. You saw him in Mich- Michigan. I'll just leave it there. Go ahead. Yeah. Never has a press secretary looked more silly and embarrassed than that moment. Yeah, Joe sees dead people, all right. <laughs> There's a reason for that, Greg. He's almost dead. Sorry, that was messed up. <laughs> Cassie says, laugh out loud, Reese. It's really bad. I don't know what's the next plan, but I'm guessing World War Three. Casey, I'm hoping that's not the case, okay? We've... Like, I'll put it to you this way, Casey. Can we, if they could hold out 10 months, maybe 11 months, perhaps we could just kind of avoid that. Just hold out. That's all. All right. So since Casey's kind of really darkened the mood here, let's get into something a little lighter. Um, I said, nah, dude, just watch Biden for 10 seconds. <laughs> no, it's okay. We'll be, we'll be all right, Casey, I promise. I want to get into something. It, it's funny because um, I was watching The Five, and The Five was talking about this this story, and they were, it, they were sort of invoking DEI. This isn't DEI. This, this has nothing to do with DEI. This is what I call hubris, pomp, uh, pompous, behavior and 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 just all out uh not reading the room or not recognizing other people are watching you now what do i mean by this but people on the left especially black people who listen to the show you're going to get a little angry but like i care okay i don't i don't give a damn call me a sellout what else is new but i gotta be honest with you okay i gotta be honest with you nothing irks me more or makes me embarrassed okay well, watching people bomb on the Apollo stage and get booed, that's kind of embarrassing to watch. But this is more embarrassing. Nothing is more embarrassing than black politicians showing their ass. Okay? Nothing is worse than that. You are in a dignified position. I'm not asking you to whitewash yourself, but just behave with some damn dignity. Do not show your ass, as your mama used to say, okay? Behave like you got some sense, like your mother and father raised you well. And unfortunately for a guy like Eric Adams, he doesn't know how to do that. He gets in that sort of pompous place, and he looks like a moron, okay? He looks like an ass. And he did it just recently. In patting himself on the back, on the back, for doing something literally, I mean, probably uninteresting. And that's hiring black folks. Anybody can do that. You hired a bunch of people based upon their color. You're celebrating this. Why? Why is it like, if you believe that if if blacks are so basic, and, and this is a very important thing to note, if black people are so basic, that the only thing that impresses them is someone getting a job based upon the most, the, the least interesting thing about them, the color of their skin. 
They deserve exactly what they get. And here is Eric Adams, mayor of New York, second black mayor of New York, because that's important to him, and people like him, showing his ass at this conference that was being recorded. And if I swear, I mean, I swear to you, he even went so far as to compare himself to Jesus. But there's that's not all. He made a fatal mistake. And I believe that there's some, I believe there's some karma. I don't believe in karma, but I believe for him, there may be some karma. Do you remember Ray Nagin, the former mayor of New Orleans? Well, if you remember him, you'll remember everything about him when you hear Eric Adams here. Listen closely. Have you ever seen this much chocolate leading the city of New York? And then go down the line. Look, look who's here. This is representative of the city. That's why people are hating on me. You trying to figure out why they're hating on me? They're hating on me because those are, how many of you go to church? Ma'am, this is a Matthew 21 and 12 moment. Jesus walked in the temple. He saw them doing wrong in the temple. He did what? He turned the table Came over. I went to City Hall to turn the table over. First woman police commissioner of color. First Spanish-speaking police commissioner. First Spanish-speaking uh, uh, correction com com commissioner. Yes, and the police department leaving in droves, violence through the roof. Cops being kicked and beaten up by illegals and being let out with no bail and fleeing the city. You got all of these people of color, your chocolate city, and you got nothing to show for it. And you're bragging about it and comparing yourself to Jesus? Go through the line of what we're doing. Hiring blacks. Congrats, dude. Wow. What was the process that you did that? But show us the process. You saw someone's skin color and you hired them? Oh, gee. Oh, you know what? Oh, wow. Wow. That must have taken a hell of a lot of work. You, you just looked at him, saw his color, hired him. Uh, oh, oh! what was the other thing? Oh, you heard him speak Spanish. You realized he was Hispanic? What the hell? You're a former detective. Clearly, you deserve that position. Talk about detecting. Eric Adams, ladies and gentlemen. I take you back to 2006. Mayor of New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. Ray Nagin. We as black people, it's time. It's time for us to come together. It's time for us to rebuild a New Orleans, the one that should be a chocolate New Orleans. And I don't care what people are saying uptown or wherever they are. This city will be chocolate at the end of the day. This 
city will be a majority African-American city. It's the way God wants it to be. You can't have New Orleans no other way. It wouldn't be New Orleans. Mayor Ray Nagin, didn't he just got out of jail three years ago for a whole bunch of quid, for a whole bunch of pay-to-play contracts that he gave to people? If I remember correctly, isn't Eric Adams under FBI investigation for doing just that? And both of them used the term chocolate or chocolate city and immediately started invoking God and Jesus Christ. God bless them, man. These, these men are genius. They're so genius, they're basic. They're so genius that they would literally repeat the same nonsense 18 years apart from one another. Both mayors, both black, and, and one guy couldn't learn from the last guy. How stupid can you be? <laughs> you should know at this point, none of these politicians are <laughs> voted in. It's been rigged for a long time, and our own governor is clearly infiltrated by elite. That's playing mind games with humanity. Yeah, check out the Biden chocolate. <laughs> Right. All of this, yeah, all of the first to fail. Yeah, good point, Michael A. Julie B. says, you know, I've been trying to get a passport going so, oh, so I can go on a trip to Italy to see my husband's family. What the F do I need a passport to leave the country when these asses don't need anything to get in? Yeah, it's a good point. Haggis says, so where are the loaves and fishes to feed all these people? That, my friend, is a great point. They couldn't find Jesus now. <laughs> Moving on, as I said yesterday, that we would hear directly from someone who worked at MSNBC. This is, of course, was prompted by Joy Reid being caught on a hot mic criticizing Joe Biden. And I said, look, MSNBC, there is no opinion over there. There are no hot takes. There is nothing more than repeating the mantra. They are told what to say and what to think at MSNBC. It is toe the line. Don't be interesting, right? Don't even have an opinion that might be, I don't know, different than those of the host on the show. Repeat everything over and over again. And I said you would hear directly from an MSNBC host. And here we are. Excuse me. That woman is nothing other than, is none other than Tiffany Cross. Do you remember her? Tiffany Cross. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. She had a show called The Cross Connection. She often took over for Joy Reid on her show. And she was a very, very devout race baiter. She hates Whitey. That's who she is. And you'll hear that in some of these clips. Well, she does a podcast with Andrew Gillum. Anybody remember him? Andrew Gillum? He ran for governor of Florida. And after he lost that race, he was caught in a hotel room smoking crack. Crank, I think it was. Why, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't it crank? Wasn't he smoking crank with a male prostitute? I'm almost positive of that. But, yeah, he's on the podcast with Tiffany Cross. And Tiffany Cross was on that podcast talking about what happened to her at MSNBC, as they said, finally breaking her silence. I was invited to appear on Morning Joe. So, um... Joe Scarborough, I'm sure y'all have watched Joe Scarborough before. In the segment right before I was coming on, Joe Scarborough started saying that he wanted the Republican Party to get their act together. He didn't want his country run by some of the leftists who were running countries like Portland. And he called out some other uh, municipalities that this was right after at the height of Black Lives Matter. And so uh, he said, we got to get it together. And the Republican Party is failing. Donald Trump turned the party racist. So when I was introduced, I obviously had a, a lot to say about that, that there's an unspoken rule that you're not supposed to disagree with Joe, but I didn't get that memo. Even if I had, I don't know how much attention I would pay to it. And so when it came time for me to speak, I uh, went through very specific policies, um, talked about Ronald Reagan, talked about um, George Bush and made the point that even though they may have been more articulate, their policies were just as damaging to black folks. Well, after I got off the air, he continued to talk about it. Uh, he was very upset, apparently. And so when he left set, um, he was beside himself. That's how it was described to me. I was told from several reputable sources, including a talent agent, two anchors, and another executive at the network, that he left set and went into the president's office, the president of, of the network, to complain about my segment complained that I disagreed with him, said that I called him racist, and suggested that I should not be Joy Reid's successor uh, to get the show. Now, who believes that she didn't call Joe Scarborough racist? She calls every white person a Republican Party racist. So I believe Joe Scarborough. <laughs> a rare moment, a rare moment that I would agree with Joe Scarborough. So there she is talking about what she did a segment on there and said that she wasn't allowed to disagree with Joe Scarborough. But she goes one step further here. She goes one step further. And this was when she got her own show. And she talks about the problems that she had with the MSNBC brass when she wanted to talk about topics that she believed were important to the black community. I want you all to know every single week from the start of my show to the very last show I did, it was a battle every single week. It was a battle to cover things that I wanted to talk about. Um, the network's philosophy was Trump, 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 Trump. Um, they wanted me to be part of the echo chamber and I fought as hard as I could. 
when I would fight these battles, I know y'all know exactly what I mean. I was spoken to in the most condescending ways. I mean, anything from being told the definition of news, me with my 20 plus year career in news and broadcast and television, I would have somebody sit across from me and explain to me how news worked. Um, I had my intelligence questioned. The central theme to them, again, Trump, Capitol Hill, Minutia, and they wanted me to use the same recycled faces you see all the time. That's it. That's the bottom line. And she was no, listen, she wasn't important to the network. She did a weekend show. It wasn't like she was on at prime time. Her show was on on the weekends. Barely anyone already watches MSNBC during the week. And she's a black host, so she knows she gets zero, zero burn. She's on the weekend. Barely anyone knows who she is. Now, she makes a point about how many people listen to her show. Remember, she's on the weekend, roughly four weekends, I mean, four shows per month is her weekend show. Listen to while she breaks that down. So I really found the constant uh, criticism debilitating at times, but mostly confusing. And let me tell you why. Because viewers seem to love it. According to NBC's own research department, The Cross Connection, my show, was averaging 4.6 million viewers a month. Now, if that is indeed true, that means that she was pulling in at least one and a half million every broadcast which isn't true at all, at all. Her show never, and I checked, her show never got over 150,000 views per broadcast. Never. Her overall was at 150,000. The only person who got more views than her was Al Sharpton, and he got more than a half a million. No one watched her show. She did not get four and a half million a month. We had the most black viewers, second only, the Reverend Al Sharpton show. We were routinely the highest rated show of the entire weekend. Also a lie. Also a lie. <laughs> In fighting these battles, I can't lie. I made some enemies. Yes, you can. You can lie. <laughs> um, yeah. I held the line. I didn't acquiesce because... For me, what was the point in having this platform if I'm going to show up and spit out uh, some vanilla granola boringness and hope that one day maybe the white man will let me host his Today Show? I, I've just never seen that happen. I have never seen anybody be rewarded for acquiescing to the comfort of white folks. That's funny because I can name several. I can name several. One even got her own show on NBC after she hosted the Today Show and got her started MSNBC. Yeah, absolutely. So please knock it off. Her show was garbage. And the reason why she got fired, she talks about when she now describes the interaction between her show and Tucker Carlson's show when he pretty much took an ax to anything and everything about her. She describes it this way on how Tucker Carlson eventually got her removed from MSNBC. But one night, uh, Tucker Carlson dedicated the top of his show to me. After this, the network did not issue a statement uh, the way they had for some of my white colleagues who had also been targeted by MAGA extremists. Notice she keeps mentioning the whites. 
Instead, network executives spoke to me and instructed me that I could not respond to Tucker Carlson at all. And the reason why she couldn't respond to Tucker Carlson at all is because Tucker Carlson has spent 13 minutes at the opening of his show. You should go look it up. Breaking down everything she said on her show. And he compared her to the slaughter, the slaughter in Rwanda. Talking about the radio station at that time that was constantly going after Houthis on the air and created the 500,000 people genocide that happened in that region and was always talking about the you know opposing groups on that show. And he described MSNBC, in particular, the cross-connection, as being very similar to that onslaught. And then he played audio of her, in her own words, doing that. And Tucker asked the question. Again, watch the video Tucker Carlson plays, asking Comcast, the parent network of MSNBC, why are they allowing this on the air for Tiffany to constantly be maligning white people on the show, calling them inherently evil? Why are they allowing it? That's why they told Tiffany not to respond, because she would bring more attention to the fact that she was criticizing and maligning, and if I might say, racializing her content. Then they began to scrutinize my show. Every little thing I wrote, every little thing I said before the show, after the show, after the show, it was always, here's all the things that you said, here's all the things that you did wrong. The ratings didn't lie, but according to them, people must just be tuning in to criticize me because that's all they had was criticism. Never, thanks for doing a good job. Never, thanks for bringing so many new viewers to the network. Uh, this was four days before midterms and one day before my show was going to air. We had booked an exclusive sit down with Stacey Abrams, who as you all know, was in the fight for her life running for governor at that time. That morning, I got a call from the president of the network saying they would not be renewing my contract, which was up in a month, and that my viewers would not even be given the courtesy or respect of me being able to sign off or have a final show now that's true she wasn't given the opportunity to sign off this happens all the time it happened to tucker carlson ironically if you remember it also happened to bill o'reilly it happened to plenty of people at fox news who had been taken off the air before they got an opportunity to say goodbye it happens all the time when i got fired from wrko in the massive layoff that happened at Entercom, it was my last show on a Friday. I never got an opportunity to tell anybody goodbye. The press release came out on a Saturday. I'll never forget that. It's commonplace. But Tiffany, oh, she believes that the reason why they did it was for something clearly more nefarious. Uh, I think it's important that you all know when that happens, it suggests to other people in the yeah. industry that this person is so unhirable that we could not trust her with a live mic. And really? Chris Cuomo's on News Nation. <laughs> they didn't allow him to get say goodbye. And I was never given an official reason for why they canceled my show, but it was pretty obvious that I had drawn the ire of white conservatives, which even made some white liberals uncomfortable. So I had to go. Never mind. What? Well, you can pat yourself on the back, Tiffany. Mind that millions of people found my voice to reflect theirs. Despite me not saying anything at the time, other than to issue a very politely worded and gracious statement, mostly for my viewers, 
um, a statement in which did not attack the network at all uh, or say anything bad about them. Why didn't you? You were free to do so, but you chose not to because you didn't want anybody to go after you. You wanted to get another job. But if they were all that evil to you, if they were all so mean to you, why not take them to bat? Right? Why not? But you didn't. But they damn sure did crucify you. Um, the network began attacking me. They planted yeah. hit pieces in the press. Um, the president of the network began a bizarre, unhinged tour where she was on damage control. I don't know what she was trying to do. Um, but it was filled with outright lies, uh, including showing up on the set of The View. It's very strange for the president of a competing network to show up at another network and talk directly to their talent. That just doesn't happen. Talk to their talent and told them, please do not bring her on your airwaves. And The View obliged. <laughs> she went to this Kennedy school at Harvard, of course. Yeah, White Mike said, I, I, I did know that. I did know that. Yeah, but uh, that's her story. And uh, I guess she's sticking to it. But, uh, you know, that's where she is. Okay, let's get to why we're here. And I thank you for all indulging me uh, in all of this. Uh, so I want you to be patient, sit back, enjoy. This is about three and a half minutes long, okay? So just pay very, very close attention. This is a story that you all know. It is not gained national attention, but you all know the story because the story was kind of talked about when Donald Trump went to Atlanta or went to Fulton County to go get his mugshot taken after the indictment happened back in August. You might recall that at Fulton County, there was already a scandal taking place. And that scandal was about some 50 people inside the correctional facility who had died, many of them suspiciously. Well, that story is very interesting. And then the backstory behind it. Here's the story of that scandal. Beyond these walls, inmates at the Cobb County Detention Center wait for their day in court. Some often represented by Cindy Yeager, a criminal defense attorney who claims the sheriff does not properly care for detainees. I've gotten three to five letters or more every day from inmates uh, complaining of the treatment that they're getting, the fact they're not allowed out of their cells. According to the county medical examiner's office, at least 50 inmates have died in custody there since 2004, some from natural causes, others under suspicious circumstances, like Cavell Wingo, who died in 2019 begging for medical help. And he actually fell backwards onto the floor and crawled to the window and was asking again, begging for help, and they could not breathe. Nine months before Wingo's death, inmate Reginald Wilson died from dehydration in an isolation room, and jail staff found Bradley Emery hanging in a shower last year. His father repeatedly warned the detention center his son suffered from mental illness. Since he's been in there, I've had to call out there several times. I'm having on suicide watch because he's threatening to hurt himself and 
I'm worried about him. This past August, 11 Alive requested the investigative findings for Emery and Wilson's death, long after their case files were closed. The sheriff's office said no, claiming both were still under investigation, not by law enforcement, but by private attorney Nathan Wade, who the county claims promises to investigate their deaths and other inmates who have died there since December 2018. All free of charge. How is an attorney going to do an internal investigation? Do they know the policies and procedures of detention centers across the state? Do they have the certifications necessary to do a, a, an absolute appropriate and competent evaluation? Earlier this month, 11 Alive filed a lawsuit against Sheriff Neil Warren, alleging Wade's investigation is illusionary and designed not to lead to any bona fide prosecutions regarding the deaths in an effort to shield thousands of public and potentially damaging records from disclosure in an election year. Law enforcement. Ian Burnside is one of the attorneys representing 11 Alive. Yeah, there is an exception that allows law enforcement agencies to withhold records that are part of a legitimate criminal investigation, but that is not intended to allow an elected law enforcement officer to withhold potentially unflattering documents from the public in the run-up to an election. According to 11 Alive's filing, Wade has represented the sheriff in the past, most recently during an election qualification dispute. And the attorney is also a personal friend and former classmate of the sheriff's second-in-command, Chief Deputy Sonia Allen. Is that appropriate? No, I don't think it is appropriate at all. I think it's a smoke stream. I think there's too much political connections. Sheriff Warren did not respond to our interview request for this story or any story we've done about the jail within the past two weeks. 11 Alive has filed a motion asking a judge to hear our case within the next 30 days. Sheriff Warren is up for re-election in 39 days. And there you have it, folks. Now, there's a key element in that that you may have missed. And that was... Nathan Wade decided that he was going to follow up on the investigation. He would do the investigation himself. And you'll notice in that report that he was helping the sheriff, friends of his, free of charge. That was back in 2020 when that report was logged. Now let's fast forward to where we are today. And Nathan Wade has lied under oath in his affidavit that he and Fannie Willis have filed in the case that Michael Roman, or at least the allegations of Michael Roman, the defendant in the RICO case against former President Donald Trump. How did he lie? Well, easy. Inside Nathan Wade's affidavit, he says that the reason why he's qualified to be a special prosecutor is based upon that case from 2020. In fact, he also intimates in his filing just last Friday that in that case he was paid $550 an hour. But as that news report just told you, Nathan Wade was a part of that investigation free of charge. He did it for free. He was not paid $550 an hour. And some odd reason, for some odd reason, Nathan Wade forgot about that. 
So either he forgot and unwittingly said that in the affidavit, or he lied at it. Why would he do that? Now, I'm under the impression, folks, and don't get me wrong, I really, really do believe that Willis and Wade are the dumbest prosecutors, if not lawyers, I've ever seen in my entire life. They are the dumbest people ever. And I'm I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. I believe that both of these people are just dumb, not just corrupt, but dumb and corrupt. He stated that he played, and I'm going to find it right here. Questions also remain about the prior position Wade held in Cobb County, which he points to to as a justification for his $250 an hour pay rate, noting he represented the sheriff of Cobb County at a rate of $550. Wade defended Sheriff Neil Warren from allegations that he did not notarize his original qualifying documents. That he did, according to court documents. He also conducted for free at the request of the former classmate he worked for at Warren's office, a heavily criticized investigation into the deaths at the county jail. There's no documentation that he made $550 an hour. None. They need to be brought in front of the Bar Association and be stripped of their law licenses. Trust me when I tell you, that's not far from happening, Michael B. It's not far from happening at all. And I want to give it up to Baltimore, if I may. (laughs) Former Baltimore prosecutor Marilyn Mosby found guilty, found guilty. She lied on an application for a home in Florida, and she's also got two uh, charges of perjury she was found guilty on. This is the prosecutor who dragged police officers through the mud, their name through the mud, had riots in the streets, said she was going to get justice for Freddie Gray, got Freddie Gray's parents over $7 million for a, 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 a prosecution that had every one of the police officers exonerated. And now Marilyn Mosby is facing her own criminal in, uh, uh, criminal charges and found guilty today. Congratulations, Marilyn Mosby. And I can't wait for Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade to join you on that long list of prosecutors who end up doing exactly what Marilyn Mosby did and that is discrediting them and possibly being disbarred. (laughs) Coming soon to a TV near you, The Adventures of the Trials of Willis and Wade. I can't wait. I can't wait. So just when you think that it couldn't get any crazier, here we are. Now, this was based upon Michael Roman answering the answering the affidavit of Willis and Wade recently. And there were some other questions that he had because he says there are six questions that need to be asked, but this is the interesting part, right? He asked, why did Nathan Wade file for divorce the day after his contract started? In an affidavit, in an affidavit Wade stated that his relationship with Willis did not begin until 2022. 
after he was hired. However, he filed for divorce in November 2nd of 2021, the day after his contract with the district attorney's office began. Roman's response to uh, the filing calls into question Wade's claim that their relationship did not begin until after the contract started, as well as the claim that they never cohabitated. Here's where it gets interesting, folks. Quote, some of the individuals who Mr. Roman has subpoenaed to testify have personal knowledge that Wade and Willis' personal relationship began before his appointment as special prosecutor. Roman's motion states, in other words, they have knowledge that the assertion that Willis uh, in the state's response in Wade's affidavit are both false. Witnesses will testify, they say, that you cohabitated with Miss Willis in her home in South Fulton until her father moved in with her, and then you began to cohabitate at an apartment of a friend of hers in East Point. Michael Roman's filing also claims additionally, witnesses will testify that you cohabitated with Miss Willis at an Airbnb in Hatville that was paid for by, wait for it, taxpayer money for a safe house for you and Fanny. That's right. I told you they wouldn't have found, filed this, 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 uh, this filing asking for them to be removed if they didn't have the goods. And for those of you who did not listen to this info before, Michael Roman. By the way, there's a great piece in the Washington Post about Michael Roman. Um, and when I say a great piece, I'm talking about they go after him in the Washington Post. You should look it up. There's a great piece about him. They talk anything and everything about Michael Roman. They went and got into his background in the whole nine yards. Where it turns out that Michael Roman is the real deal. He is that investigator. In fact, he was hired on several occasions to work with very high-level people to do backgrounds on individuals in other campaigns and in other capacities. He is the real deal. And when I tell you that this guy, they said in the Washington Post article that there were people online that were saying, this is what you get for messing with the oppo research guy. In the Washington Post article, they say that Michael Roman liked several of those comments, although he claims he did nothing of the sort publicly. He did like claims on, on Twitter that suggested he did. And I'm inclined to believe he had everything to do with that. The witnesses and everybody that they got a hold of, I believe that he used his resources and he got to them. I'm guaranteeing. The fact that we know now that he has witnesses who are going to testify on the 15th who have evidence that these two were living together, that these two were spending money on each other, taxpayer money, is going to definitely disqualify them and have them removed from this case on the 15th. I kid you not. Or his apprentice did. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> A quickie pro quo. I like that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, all of this gets really, really messy, really, really fast. 
The parts of Fanny and Wade will be played by Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> well, that's what you get. <clears throat> All right. And with that, I think it's only right. We've reached the end of our Willis and Wade investigation. (laughs) And that's all we've got tonight. Uh, Tomorrow, we'll talk a little bit about this ruling uh, in the district court of D.C. Three judges said that Donald Trump has no immunity. Of course, this is going to end up in the Supreme Court. But somebody mentioned something uh, today that I think is possibly going to happen. I don't want it to happen. I don't want it to happen because I almost feel like it will be viewed as petty, but I think it's going to happen. And what I believe is going to happen is somebody is going to charge Barack Obama with the killing of Al-Alaki. And for those of you who remember that, Al-Alaki was an American citizen who was in, I believe, in Yemen, who... Barack Obama fired a drone, killing him and a 16-year-old boy. There's rumblings that because of this uh, immunity case with Donald Trump, that someone could charge Barack Obama with murder. And there are rumblings about this, but I'll get into that tomorrow. I'll do some investigations and whether or not someone's seriously considering that. Plus, I do have the audio Uh, of that so we'll get into that tomorrow all right folks as i always say radio is free so we thank you for paying attention remember to keep jc in your hearts and in your minds john patrick we love you and we miss you remember that panic is not planning so plan the work and work the plan me i'm recent radio you have a good night a pleasant tomorrow because we hope to see you back here tomorrow be good to each other holla holla poppy poppy